In out. In out. Oh, Christian. It's your buddy, Kato Kalen. Yeah, I know about the Society Show. I love it. That podcast is the best. Let's go. Pokemon go to the polls. This is William Hung, and you're listening to the Society Show. Broadcasting live to tape across the nation and the world from the Lorena Bobbitt Theater in the city built on an ancient tech bro burial ground, beautiful North Seattle. It's the podcast for a world gone mad. This is the Society Show. And now, your host, the Larry Sanders of podcasting, Christian Patterson. Oh my, oh my. Hello, hello, this is the Society Show. Do you believe in society's laws? My name is Christian. Um, We're actually doing the Society Show live today because uh, I'm doing it over stream first, but we're doing it live. We'll do it live. Okay. We'll do it live. Fuck it. Do it live. I'll write it and we'll do it live. The reason being, I am actually going down to Portland tonight, gonna spend the weekend there. I don't really, I don't really have a means to record, so I was gonna stream today, and I'm using that podcast as the stream, and, um, I gotta be honest, I'm feeling pretty depressed. Oh my. And I'm not in a good mood today at all, um... But I'm going to keep going through this. I'm trying to stay mentally strong and preparing to be open for the trip so I can be in a good mood. Wow. Many, many french fries. And also, if you listen to the podcast, you know, I tend to have a wide diversity of sound drops. But uh, when I'm on stream, I tend to use a few because i mean i have to assign all of these to keys i'm listening and i hit the keys and some of the keys are typing keys that's why you'll often hear oh my i'm not making this stuff up oh my oh my oh my my is an m oh my my. is oh did i double assign that (laughs) oops m is supposed to be this (laughs) my answer is something called science My answer is something called science. Anyway, so... Facts don't care about your feelings. Facts don't care about your feelings. These are facts. Okay, so... I have a lot of stories prepared for today. We're just going to go through it, and um, I have more stories prepared than I even have time to talk about, so um, we'll see what we all get to, all right? I would like to start talking about a couple different stories I've read about neo-Nazis. Are you surprised the Nazis were influenced by demons? Well, one of them is just a Nazi Nazi. One of them is a neo-Nazi. And they're both facing criminal charges right now. And I gotta say, like, this type of stuff, it kind of shows that, like, Nazism isn't that old. 
Nazism, um, you know, there. so there was a difference when I was a kid how we viewed World War II. I'm only 30 years old, but, like, I have noticed the perspective on World War II change a lot in that time, where in the 90s, World War II wasn't seen as that far away. It, it was seen as relatively recent. And you kind of felt the echoes of World War II more. It was a lot more common to, like, hear about um, Holocaust survivors or veterans of World War II or stuff like that. Now, if they bring a, a, a veteran out at, like, a baseball game who's, like, a World War II veteran, they'll be, like, 100 years old. Like this guy who's on trial, a Nazi on trial in, in Germany. So, let me read the headline. Quote, this is from NPR, by the way. A 100-year-old former Nazi guard has gone on trial facing charges for 3,518 deaths. So that's pretty nuts. So the photo used in the article is... You, you can never find a photo of this guy's face, and I actually look for it. He's always covering it with a folder... In the German court system, they don't release people's full names, so he's only identified as Joseph S. So let me read from uh, the uh, article. A 100-year-old man went on trial in Germany Thursday accused of being an accessory to murder for serving as a Nazi SS guard at the Sachsenhausen concentration camp near Berlin during World War II. The trial of the defendant, who is charged with 3,518 counts of accessory to murder, was held at the Neuruppin State Court, which moved the process to a prison sport hall in Brandenburg for organizational reasons. The suspect, who was identified only as Joseph S., in keeping with German privacy rules, is alleged to have worked at Sachsenhausen between 1942 and 1945 as an enlisted member of the Nazi Party's military wing. So, the weird thing about this is, it's like, why now? Um, not to say, like, uh, I think a any... Any Nazi who was contributing to the Nazi project, um, especially to this degree, like, they do deserve to be punished for it. But it is a little bit of, like, like he's 100 years old. Why now? It just seems like, like, I don't feel bad for the guy, but I do feel like it's a little in vain to try him for this at a hundred years old. I don't know, though. It is a little, like, yeah, I don't feel bad for him, but <laughs> yeah, I just don't feel like it's really, like, the right time. I feel like they kind of missed the window a little bit. Like, this guy lived his whole life. In a long, healthy life where he, he did not have to do, like, any punishment. And, and now, like, at the very end of his, the twilight of his life, he could drop dead any minute. Why do they choose to punish him now? It, it just seems like um, a misapplication of justice. Not because he doesn't deserve it. He definitely deserves it. Even at his age. I just think trying to carry out justice at this point 
um, is a little bit in vain, like I said. NASA is the German breakaway government. This next story, though, I want to talk about, this is a lot more salacious, and it's just kind of weird. Um, there's a Brazilian man who is being charged with child abuse, and he was investigated for it, um, and... He, when they were investigating him for child abuse, they ended up finding a bunch, and by a bunch, I mean $3 million worth of Nazi memorabilia in his home. Oh my. So, let's look at this article. It's from NBC News, but um, it looks like they uh, are um, they got the story from Reuters, so... The headline, quote, Brazil police find $3 million in Nazi hall at home of child abuse suspect. And then reading from the article, quote, Police in Rio de Janeiro said Wednesday they had found a hall of Nazi memorabilia and weapons worth an estimated $3.5 million at the house of a Brazilian man suspected of raping a minor. So one thing we could get right off the bat from this is that um, this guy is presumably pretty rich. Like, I can't afford $3.5 of anything. He just casually has $3.5 million worth of Nazi memorabilia. Um, I don't know how rich that would make him in the context of Brazil, but I'm assuming this guy is... More rich in relation to his countrymen than um than a three point five millionaire, um, three point five million dollars worth of Nazi memorabilia, um, owner in the U.S. I think he has more more proportional wealth to his country than someone in the U.S. would, which goes to say, um, what's the deal with? Rich people being pedophiles. So this says, uh, Rio's civil police said they found more than 1,000 items at the home of 58-year-old unnamed suspect, including Nazi uniforms, periodicals, paintings, Nazi insignia, images of Hitler, flags, and medals of the Third Reich. They also found guns and ammunition from the era. They included another photo, so, um, this has, it looks like a signed, framed photo of Hitler, a, uh, drawing of a German airplane, warplane, I guess I should say. He has probably at least a dozen, like, Nazi uniforms, and he has this flag, it has the swastika, but it's not a swastika turned on its side, kind of rotated. It's the more, like, the one they actually use in, like, India and East Asian religions. And it says Deutschland Erwache. So, I took German, but my German is very weak. I am going to look up what... My answer is something called science. I'm going to look up what Erwache means. Oh, Wake up or awakening. Wake up, Deutschland. <laughs> Wake up, Deutschland. <laughs> Isn't that from um, Full House? Wake up. Okay, let's just rehearse this beginning to end once with no stops, please. That's right. Danny, perk it up. Becky, perk it down. And 
Action! Wake up, San Francisco! Wake up, Deutschland! Francisco, hi, I'm the perky Danny Tanner. And I'm the stiff Rebecca Donaldson. And starting next... Und I'm the perky Adolf Hitler. <laughs> okay. So, uh, it says, quote, The hall was discovered after police went to the man's home to serve an arrest warrant on suspicions he had raped a minor and abused other children in his condominium in the west of the city. The suspect was also charged with illegal possession of a weapon and racial discrimination. And then the article continues. They're quoting um, the lead detective on the case. Quote, he is a smart guy and articulate, but he's a Holocaust denier. He's homophobic. He's a pedophile. And he says he hunts homosexuals. I'm no doctor, but he seems to me an insane psychopath. And I mean, yeah, he might be a psychopath, honestly, but uh, I don't think... A rich person needs to be a psychopath to be a Nazi and a pedophile or homophobic. That is kind of the natural state of being when it comes to uh, ultra-wealthy people, to be quite frank. Yeah, this is just strange. Um, but again, how could it be a shocker that a, a neo-Nazi is a pedophile? No one is shocked by that. Even more surprising than this, Michael Jordan's Hitler mustache. All right, and uh, we have uh, another story I want to talk about. This is really sad. Um, I want to talk about this because... You know, now that the U.S. has pulled out of Afghanistan, there was the whole media circus about how, oh, the Taliban's taking over. Oh, my God, ISIS is coming back. Here's the thing, though. ISIS never left. ISIS was actually newly active in Afghanistan starting in about, I want to say 2014, maybe 2015. A lot of the U.S. involvement in Afghanistan was actually helping the Taliban fight ISIS. Um, so yeah, the, the whole, the media had a whole routine about that for a couple weeks as if they cared. And then they, um, kind of, they're already done kind of talking about Afghanistan, to be honest. Wow. Hey now. So we're going to read this article. Um, dozens of people have been killed in a mosque explosion in Afghanistan. This is from NPR. So, quote, A suicide bomb explosion ripped through a Shiite mosque in northern Afghanistan's Kunduz province, killing and wounding dozens of worshippers, according to a local official. Afghanistan's Tolo News Agency quotes the Director of Information and Culture of Kunduz as saying that at least 43 people are dead and more than 140 were hurt in the suicide attack. Dos Mohammed Obeda, a police official in the province, confirmed that more than 100 are dead, were dead or wounded, according to the Associated Press. Quote, I assure our Shiite brothers that the Taliban are prepared to ensure their safety, Obaida said, adding that an investigation was early was underway. Now, 
I, I'm not like a Taliban stan, of course, but um, it is a little curious how the Taliban is portrayed in the United States compared to how they seem to operate. I understand that they used to be like way more um, right wing and in a lot of ways they're still very ideologically right wing, um, but it you know, it doesn't, um, what's it, how should I put this? It doesn't work with the way the U.S. media portrays the Taliban, considering the Taliban are, like, um, standing up and saying they don't want Shiite or violence against Shiites. Like, we think of the Taliban as being, like, Islamists in the way ISIS is, where they see Shiites as, like, infidels, and Shiites are, like, worse than Christians, or, you know, stuff like that, and and um, so I guess this is a, I, I'm just a little surprised the, the tact that the Taliban is taking to these attacks. Um, let's see if there's any more information we can glean from this article. Oh, they kind of go into that. So um, this article says, quote, Shiite Muslims have long been a target of violence by extremists in predominantly Sunni Afghanistan. The Taliban, which regained control of the country after two decades out of power, has specifically targeted the minority group in the past. And that is completely true. That is why it's kind of confusing that they're, I guess they kind of have to put on their like government hat now and be like, oh, we have to be a respectable country and to get the U.S. off our ass. And we really care about these Shiites. Um, Not, I don't know, like it's hard to say as an outsider. I don't want to pretend to be an expert. It just doesn't jive with a lot of the things we hear from the Taliban, um, or about the Taliban, and then closing off, they get into ISIS a little bit, because, you know, my thoughts is, it is definitely, um, ISIS who did this attack. The Islamic State in Khorasan, which claimed responsibility for an August 26 suicide attack at the Kabul airport that killed 13 U.S. Marines and dozens of Afghan civilians, has also carried out recently deadly bombings in Kabul. Um, I I guess this article is just implying that they're involved without saying it. One thing I do want to point out is that August 26 suicide attack at the Kabul airport one thing that is never reported in American media is the fact that uh, um, a lot of U.S. military actually opened fire after the suicide attack started, and that was a big contributor not only to their deaths, but uh, to the mayhem that followed that attack. Um, Just putting it out there, like that is a part of that story that is never talked about. Unless you find one of the multiple people who bring it up. (laughs) But you wouldn't know that if you watch CNN. And again, I'll I'll try to uh, keep an eye on Afghanistan news. Because like I said, like, you know, the the U.S. media had a total fit as soon as we left Afghanistan. It was wall-to-wall coverage, um, Taliban this, ISIS-K that. And um, now they just don't really care anymore. It takes that short of a time before we're no longer hearing about Afghanistan. And in a couple of years, once the U.S. empire has moved on, has
has no more um, real invested interests in Afghanistan. We'll probably go back to a lot of Americans not even knowing Afghanistan is a country. It'll take time, of course, but um, yeah. Uh, so I want to keep an eye on what is going on in Afghanistan. Look at this photograph. Every time I do, it makes me laugh. The uh, next story I want to talk about is, um, and I actually have not read this article. I, I saw the headline and I was like, I want to talk about this. So we're going to read through it. Um, it says, uh, this is from CNN, the headline, UN ends Yemen war crimes probe in defeat for Western states. Um, and so this is on CNN, but it's actually from Reuters. So let's just go through it. I'll give my thoughts as I read it. Um, Bahrain, Russia, and other members of the UN Human, right Count Human Rights Council pushed through a vote on Thursday to shut down the bodies war crimes investigations in Yemen in a stinging defeat for Western states who sought to keep the mission going. So this is interesting because right off the bat, they're saying they uh, were doing the uh, investigation on behalf of Western states. So when you read the headline, you might be thinking, oh, this is like about the like literal genocide and forced famine on uh, Yemeni people uh, perpetrated by Saudi Arabia and the U.S. But no. This is an investigation to um, look at war crimes committed by Yemen, which is completely fucked up on multiple levels. Their country has been sieged, literally sieged. It, uh, their supply lines have been cut, interrupted and disrupted by the Saudis with um, immense aid from the United States. So... Uh, Let's read forward. Members narrowly voted to reject a resolution led by the Netherlands to give the independent investigators another two years to monitor atrocities in Yemen's conflict. Now, normally, like, I like Dutch people, but what the hell, man? Oh my. Bomb armed. It marked the first time in the council's 15-year history that a resolution was defeated. The independent investigators have said in the past that potential war crimes have been committed by all sides. No. One side. In the seven-year conflict that has pitted a Saudi-led coalition against Iran-allied Houthi rebels. One thing I want to point out about this, and you may have heard that, is... Um, any group that gets nominal support or is on in some way or another like loosely connected to Iran is always portrayed as Iranian um, like allies or rebels who are associated with Iran. But in this case, like like people will call Hezbollah Iran um, or Iran allies or. Even Hamas, uh, obviously the Houthis, and on some level that is true because they work 
they're working against the same power co block, the same coalition power block in the Middle East that is mostly spearheaded by Saudi Arabia with help from the U.S. and Israel and whatnot. Any faction that goes against that is immediately labeled Iran allies. And yes, the Houthis get nominal... Um, minor support from Iran, but the, the, you know, the way they want it to make it seem like is that I Iran is like a secret mastermind pulling the puppet strings, and, and that's just not really what it's like. Um, I, I'm just a little confused because, you know, as the article goes forward, this Dutch ambassador says that the, they have, quote, failed the people of Yemen, but... I, I, that doesn't make sense. It's like, he's saying we failed the people of Yemen by failing to, uh, blame their government for war crimes. Like, the, what they are being failed by is the fact that the Saudi government is performing a siege on their country. They have mass starvation. Uh, I mean, by any, like, you know, international law measures, it is a genocide against Yemen. They're trying to starve out the Houthis. And that's just not cool. <laughs> like... Like, why Why would some, like, Western countries who are helping Saudi Arabia do that, why would they have any invested interest in protecting Yemen? And the fact that they can be like, oh, it's for their own good, their government's so evil, it's like, look, at, look in a mirror, like, uh, you know, hold a mirror up to society and look back at yourself, because, like, what the hell, man? Let's see if I can glean some more info from this story. Huh, well, this is interesting because, because uh, Saudi Arabia lobbied heavily against the resolution. So maybe this is a little more pro-Yemeni than I thought. Um, but I, I just don't buy it. Why is this being spearheaded by Western countries? I feel like it's really an attempt to both sides the conflict. To be like, yeah, Saudi Arabia is bad. Don't, don't pay attention to the fact that we support them. Okay, like disregard that. Okay, um, so Saudi Arabia is bad and Yemen's bad. Um, again, forget that we support Saudi Arabia. Um, what should we do about that? That's what it feels like to me. But then again, like, um, so the the countries that. Uh, uh, voted against the, re the resolution include China, Cuba, Pakistan, Russia, Venezuela, and Uzbekistan. That, that, ugh. this is confusing. I don't know, man. It's all complicated. All I will say is that any type of UN investigation council we will see in a story shortly that that doesn't mean that much. Like, straight up, it really doesn't amount to much. And, um, like, it seems like it's a real PR effort from the people um, making this situation happen. The Western countries that support Afghanistan, or, sorry, Saudi Arabia... It's like PR to kind of cover their asses for that. But, 
I like I said, this is complicated. It's hard to figure out exactly what they want, why it's such a loss for the Western countries, why it's such a win for Saudi Arabia when Western countries are enabling Saudi Arabia. All I can say is don't forget about Yemeni people. They are still being sieged. There's still a famine, a human-created famine, as Saudi Arabia controls their um, supply lines and all that. Also, one thing I want to point out, so check this out. So, population of Saudi Arabia versus Yemen. Saudi Arabia only has 34 million people, almost 35. Yemen has 30 million. You, you, I personally think of... Saudi Arabia as um, a pretty big, powerful country, but it, it really doesn't have that many people. And I think of Yemen as being some like backwoods, like weird nomadic desert land, and it has almost as many people as Saudi Arabia. Just to give some perspective, because I, I think that surprises a lot of people. And it also says, no, immigrants make up almost 40% of the total population of Saudi Arabia. That's a whole other issue, but there's a big tendency in Middle East monarchies. Qatar is a good example, as I talked about last episode, where they import, like, essentially giant armies of pseudo-slave labor, um... A lot of times they're from Pakistan and Qatar. A lot of them come from the Philippines or East, like Southeast Asia. Um, so in reality, Yemen has more citizens, more people who are like native to there and not temporary workers. Um, they have presumably more people than Saudi Arabia does. But unfortunately, my company is transferring me overseas. Oh, no. Where to? <gasps> to Paris? No, no, not, not Paris. Oh, to London? Oh, no, Rome? Vienna? Oh, oh, Barcelona? Okay, could you just stop talking for a second? <laughs> Yemen. <laughs> That's right, yes. I'm being transferred to Yemen. This headline, China warns U.S. following reports that Marines are training Taiwanese forces. Now, I gotta say, um, assuming this is true, which it certainly seems to be true, um, that is a very aggressive act or kind of warmongering act from the U.S. Because, you know, right-wingers hate, hate to hear this, but... The official policy of Taiwan is that it's still part of China. We all know that China's official policy is that Taiwan is part of China. But we don't talk about the fact that not only does Taiwan claim all of China as their territory, they actually claim um, a lot more territory as theirs than the U.S. government, or I mean than the Chinese government does. Let me pull up a map. So, um, this is a pretty good map. So, basically every area, so all the teal parts of this map are China. The orange parts of the map is Mongolia, but claimed by, by, um, Taiwan. 
Same with this golden part up here. Um, same with all these edges in like the Uyghur province. Um, same with like this part of Myanmar, which coincidentally, I, I may be wrong, but I believe on this map you see a little like part of Myanmar um, that is uh, claimed by Taiwan but not administered by China. Very, very important detail about that is um, that's generally where the, um, what's it called? The Golden Triangle? Yeah, Golden Triangle. This little piece of land is the Golden Triangle, or at least part of it. And why that's interesting is before the U.S. went to Afghanistan, that area was the main opiate producer for the world. It's still one of the biggest opiate producers. And it was created by the uh, Kuomintang, the party that established Taiwan, um, immediately, or like, in the aftermath of the uh, Chinese Civil War, they created essentially, like, a narco-state within Myanmar, right out of the borders of China, um, and, and that eventually became a collaborative effort with the CIA, so I'm just putting that out there. That is a true, true fact stated about the KMT. So my point being from all of this is that China claims Taiwan as part of their, uh, territory. Taiwan, at the same time, not only claims that all of China is their territory, but they have more, you know, people call China imperialist. Taiwan has way more imperialist ambitions than China does. They want to claim all of Ma Mongolia. They want to even take land from Russia, land claimed by Afghanistan, Pakistan, India... Myanmar, all of that. So, going back to the article, this is a huge activated aggression because it's essentially a foreign country training rebel a rebel faction in land that both the the authority and the rebel faction claim are theirs. Um, it would be a bit like if uh, there was a separatist movement in the U.S. The separatist movement said, not only are we separating, but we're actually the real United States, and we control all of the United States. W right now we're claiming this land, but our real territory is all the United States. It would be like if China was training militants there. It would be seen as a huge aggression. Um, but let's read through this article a little more. Chinese official called for the United States to end military ties with China following reports that Marines have been stationed on the island to strengthen its forces. Chinese Foreign Minister spokesman Zhao Lijian reiterated on Friday the frequently used talking point that the U.S. should acknowledge the high sensitivity of the Ch China-Taiwan conflict. How I don't get what they mean by frequently used talking point. Way to like insert yourself as a reporter because I mean that that is true. Like it is a highly contested situation, very sensitive, and I mean the U.S. should know that 
And I'm sure they do know that by interfering in this, they are, in essence, um, trying to provoke war um, or military conflict in general. I mean, there's no way the U.S. does not know that's what they're doing. Um, this con- continues. This is quoting the uh, ministry spokesperson. China will take all necessary measures to protect its sovereignty and territorial integrity, Zhao said. Uh, roughly two dozen U.S. special operations and support troops are conducting secret training operations in Taiwan and have been for at least a year, the Wall Street Journal reported. China has claimed that Taiwan is part of its sovereign territory, though the island of 24 million people considers itself an independent nation. As I established earlier, um, that is not true at all. Like, Taiwan considers itself, uh, like, governing all of China, like, straight up. That is just an indisputable fact. They both claim to govern each other. So, yeah, I guess I don't have a lot more thoughts about this except to really emphasize that this is a provocation for war. And it's really misrepresented in the American press. Like, I feel like I have to tell people this all the time that both China and Taiwan claim to own each other. move on from this i kind of wanted to talk about how twitch got hacked but i don't really have much to say about it all i wanted to say is also like um facebook was down for a long time recently uh twitch got hacked right after and i i noticed a lot of people online kind of freaking out about this acting like it's a huge deal and i mean maybe it's some type of deal it's it was a hacking but i guess i i've just become more aware how it seems like we are potentially on the break of some type of like crisis because you know one website goes down for a few hours and it creates a lot of issues now you know some people the backlash against that was people like haha imagine you need facebook for like eight hours or your life sucks haha or like Haha, <laughs> imagine your uh, financial information got leaked from Twitch. Haha, <laughs> who cares? But those are all like really small cases. And it's kind of right. Like, who cares? I mean, some people depend on Facebook or Twitch for more than your average person. And, you know, maybe they lost out on something. But the reason I'm bringing this up is I think we are seeing the, the foreshadowing of a true internet crisis where like imagine the whole internet goes down for even for like half a day that would be game changing that would shut down the world think about everything that goes on on the internet um you know all banking would be down i i can't even wrap my brain around how fricked up society would get if the internet just like like that would that would be a cataclysmic event even for half a day and but that's that's like the the big scenario like imagine if google facebook twitch amazon 
you know, all of those big half a dozen, dozen or so countries. Imagine they went away all at once. And they they were down for a couple days. That alone would be kind of cataclysmic. Like, it wouldn't be terrible. It wouldn't be world-ending, but it would have a lot of far-reaching and unforeseen side effects. And frankly, I'm just kind of waiting for that to happen now. It seems a little bit imminent. Now, what I've also learned is there is so much BS on the internet that people are trying to peddle. Um, I did want to talk about this from the New York Times. This is a pretty crazy story to think about. Um, I always get intrigued by espionage. You know, there's this, so I'll just say what the story's about and give my preliminary thoughts before I really dig in. Um, the headline: Captured, killed, their compromise. CIA admits to losing dozens of informants. Now, the thing that's crazy about this is thinking about the if you're a CIA agent and you're undercover in like China or, or Iran or who knows where. If you're undercover and you get killed, like, no one's gonna get in trouble for your death. Like, that's the cost of doing business. And I think besides being in the military, that is probably the only job where it's true. I guess that's why it's real high stakes. You gotta be good at your job to be a spy. Um, of course, I, I don't feel particularly bad I'm not going to be all joyous, like, ha-ha, these people died. But, like, you know, that is the cost of doing business. You can't feel, like, terrible about it. I wouldn't feel bad if a foreign spy was killed. I'd be like, well, that's messed up. But I wouldn't be like, oh, bless their heart, you know. Um, anyway, so let's read into this article. Quote, top American counterintelligence officials warned every CIA station and base around the world last week about troubling numbers of informants recruited from other countries to spy for the United States being captured or killed. People familiar with the matter said. Now, it is a little like, hmm... Part of me thinks that this might be a limited hangout in the sense that they're like, oh, don't worry, our, our native CIA guys are fine. You, if, you're, if you're a recruit from a foreign country, you know, you're who, who you're going to watch out for. This makes me think that the, the CIA is like losing like more official people than they're kind of making it seem like they're just like, oh, Joe Timbuktu in, in Afghanistan got like murked by the Taliban. I, I think it's a little more than that, honestly. Um, so to continue on, the message in an unusual top secret cable said that the CIA's counterintelligence mission center had looked at dozens of cases in the last several years involving foreign informants who had been killed, arrested, or most likely compromised. Although brief, the cable laid out the specific number of agents executed by rival intelligence agencies, a closely held detail that counterintelligence officials do not share in such cables. So why the hell, literally, why the hell isn't New York Times publishing that? Give me a break, man. Like, they obviously have the inside scoop, but they're not telling us how many people were killed. Give me a break, man. 
Um, the article continues, the cable highlighted the struggle the spy agency is having as it works to recruit spies around the world in difficult operating environments. In recent years, adversarial intelligence services in countries such as Russia, China, Iran, and Pakistan have been hunting down the CIA's sources and in some cases turning them into double agents. The, f the absolute funniest thing about this is <laughs> the inclusion of Pakistan because, okay... Pakistan, their intelligence agency, ISI, is one of the biggest collaborators with the freaking United States. Like, uh, Pat, the ISI supported the Taliban and Al-Qaeda. They were involved in the U.S.'s invasion of Afghanistan. Um, the ISI knew where, where um, Osama bin Laden was the entire time. Um, that the Afghanistan war was going on. It wasn't until like 2011 where they're like, all right, let's, let's ask Pakistan, you know, how to get this guy. The U.S. government already knew where his compound was. I mean, very likely. I can't say that for sure, certain, but like they knew where he was the whole time. The reason they did not kill Osama bin Laden earlier is because he was functionally neutered. He didn't have an impact um, on on like the ta the Al Qaeda situation anymore that much. He he was like an outlaw. He was in hiding. So the U.S. didn't really care to have him killed, and the ISI was using him as intelligence. So the fact that Pakistan is just, like, killing and arresting American spies, um, I mean, Pakistan's pretty, pretty, you know, as the kids say, based for this one. Um, let's uh, continue reading. Quote, acknowledging that recruiting spies is a high-risk business, the cable race issues that have plagued the agency in recent years, including poor tradecraft, being too trusting of sources, underestimating foreign intelligence agencies, and moving too quickly to recruit informants while not paying enough attention to potential counterintelligence risk, a problem the cable called placing mission over security. And, I mean, that's the thing, is because it's like, the CIA has so much power, they have impacted world history so much, so directly, so many times, and they're still managed to just be these totally bumbling idiots, finding other bumbling idiots in other countries, who are like... Oh yeah, I love America. I love business. I, I'm so into business and America has lots of business. Let me help America. And then they just get murked like instantly as an obvious spy. Like that's what I imagine is happening. Um, yeah, let's <laughs> this detail's funny. Quote, recruiting new informants, former officials said, is how the CIA's case officers, its frontline spies, earn promotions. Case officers are not typically promoted for running good counterintelligence operations, such as figuring out if an informant is really working for another country. That means the way that the U.S. Recru recruits spies is the same way, like... Someone selling Tupperware at, like, dinner parties recruits people. 
Oh, yeah, it doesn't matter who you are. If you want to sell, you know, just give me 50 bucks. You become one of the sales reps. You have to buy all your own bulls. And then you just forget about them. Like, that's how, like, a uh, MLM scheme works, right? You recruit, and then you get the benefits as soon as they sign on. And then they can recruit more. They'll get their benefits. But once they're in, they're out of your hair. You already got the money out of them. And that's how it seems that, like, recruiting spies for the U.S. works. They just go and find some dupe. Hey, man, you want to be a spy? Work for the U.S. government. And then you, <laughs> and then you end up getting a promotion because you find a bunch of idiots who are like, Hell yeah, dude, I want to be a spy. That's how I think it works. Um, The CIA is a mess, man. There's a lot more to this article that I'm not going to read. That that gives enough of the picture. This is just bumbling idiots. So the last thing I'm going to talk about is I found this clip online. So the, um, since I'm doing a stream now, I'm trying to find more clips and stuff that is like content that people on streams like care about. And um, I found this clip from Vouch. I know a lot of people don't like this guy. Um, I don't. I don't know much of his views. I've watched a couple of his videos and tried to find some clips. I actually have barely watched this video. I'm just like reacting to it cold. But so here's a guy who is ostensibly on the left. I, I'm not sure how how left he actually is, but you know he's ostensibly on the left. A lot of things I've heard from him I don't agree with, but at the same time, I'm I'm not the type of person on Twitter, you know, you see people on Twitter who are like, I, I heard about this guy from like his fans on Twitter, and they'll always be like, oh, people hate Vouch because he, you know, they have like, they, they just don't like how he talks, or they misunderstood, or they didn't do this or that, you know, they sound like Jordan Peterson fans. I don't have any issue with him. I don't know much about him, but I do want to see someone who I think I disagree with in a lot of ways, what he thinks the issues with the left are. So this title is, video is titled, Vouch's Dis Disillusion with the Left. I'm going to respond to this clip, and then I think that'll be the end of the stream. Do you guys agree with me that, with the Tariq Nasheed thing? That the only reason Tariq Nasheed is really hated by the left is because of the homophobia. I actually feel that way, you know? I, I, I genuinely feel that way. Because whenever I see Tariq Nasheed getting dunked on by the broader left, it's when he's being homophobic. But when he says something that is obviously racist with, like, race mixing, uh, the only people who are dunking on him feel like they're normies, you know? Like, regular, normal, center-leaning people see that. That that really doesn't mean anything, though, because what gets dunked on on Twitter is really more of a side effect of, like, which big accounts re quote tweet dunking on what. Like, you know, there's millions of tweets a day that never get dunked on, even if they're horrendous takes. We just don't see them in certain parts of the webosphere. So, to like... You know, citing Twitter replies um, as evidence of why he's disillusioned with the left is already a pretty poor start. I, I don't really get how that can, like, determine anything. Like, 
um you know maybe he says some like messed up stuff about race mixing or whatever but like is it the left's job to reply to every Tariq Nasheed tweet like what the hell man and they think it's disgusting but the left won't touch it isn't that fucking weird it's not that weird there's millions of tweets not to even speak of Gazi Kodso the fucking black hammer stuff which hey there were people on the left defending didn't the Truanon pod do that didn't, didn't or was that a joke that I'm misremembering I don't know I don't have the best memory I don't know didn't they get outed as being abusive Anybody who knew anything about that org, that should be plain, like plainly obvious. Okay, wait, one more black pill. I genuinely wonder sometimes if people on the left are under some kind of like collective spell that's inhibiting their reasoning, okay? Okay, um, before, I... before he gets into whatever this thought is, I just want to say about the Black Hammer organization. My fiance, like I'd say she's just as left as I am. She has a Twitter as well. She, um... Like, you know, she's around Twitter discourse. And I told her about Black Hammer organization a couple months ago, and she'd never heard of it. And, um, which goes to say how niche they are. Like, even if you're a regular Twitter user on the left, you may have never heard of them. And when I described their beliefs, like how they, like, are kind of, like, um, black well i guess bipoc black and indigenous land back group which is totally cool but then they like you know they're really reactionary in some ways they brought it bought a compound out in like colorado um up in the mountains or something like when I described all that to my fiance, she was like, oh, it sounds like a cult. And then she's just never thought about him again. So to think they represent any part of the left is like stupefying. Like you have to be so on, so terminally online that some fringe ass group that's like Jim Jones level, like fringe, like very cult like um, buying a compound, like to act like that's exemplary of the left in any way or the less reaction to it on twitter it's just very you know it's a very touch grass moment <laughs> of like collective spell that's inhibiting their reasoning okay um because i think sometimes people engage in the most obviously dog shit abusive behavior and they'll get a pass for it politically from the left if they're a minority especially women Holy fucking mother of God, women. Oh my fucking God, women. Holy shit. You can get away with so much shit. So much obviously bad shit. Casually sexualizing people, harassing people, threatening people. And if you're a woman, people will just fucking... Th their eyes will just glaze right over it. And I expect this from normies, because I expect that your average normie is still kind of infested by this princess mentality, like this paternalistic sexism. Chivalry, you know. Um... This is just stupid. Like, I don't even know who he's talking about or what context. It seems more like he, like, saw a tweet by a woman he didn't like and is like, oh, why aren't lefties quote tweeting this vociferously? Um, that is an injustice that they are not quote tweeting this. Like, come on, dude. No one cares. But on the left, where we're supposed to be in with, you know, intersectional feminism a lot of like we go come did i use vociferously oh my. assassination manual 
Yes, vehement or clamorous. Yes, okay. Completely, it gets ignored. And a lot of it, too, with, like, minority cause stuff. If you go look at anything from the Black Hammers, they're <laughs> The Black Hammers bad. again? There's no question whatsoever at any point. But yeah, no kidding. At worst, it's a cult, and at or I guess at best, it's a cult. At worst, it's a CIA op. Like everyone knows this. No one defends Black Hammer. Um, and it just makes me feel really bad too, because I feel like they drag a lot of people down with them. Holy fuck, you know? Just like imagine that shit with Normie bait, you know? Like. Think, think like normies, okay? Imagine you're a normie right now, okay? You have a Facebook account, all right? You're 32 years old. You really liked Obama, all right? Uh, but uh, uh, you, you thought that maybe Trump was better on foreign po I don't fucking know. Just imagine you're a normie, okay? Your favorite anime is Bleach. I don't know. Just that's who you are, okay? Now, how do you think it looks to this person, to you, that the only revolutionary black movement you've heard of in the past five years was the Black Hammers. That's not true for anyone. Any normie who's like, I, I liked Obama because he was cool, but, you know, Trump had some good ideas too. None of them have ever, ever heard of the Black Hammers. Let me look up how many followers on Twitter they have. Have they been banned from Twitter? I don't even know. Um, yeah, I searched Black Hammer Oregon. Like, most of these tweets aren't even that recent. Like, come on, dude. Um, yeah, I don't... How he's, does that look? He's too fixated on some dumb little shit that doesn't matter to anyone except the people in it and to him and the people who listen to him. You know? Like... That's the rep we're getting. Well, I'm not a black revolutionary. I'm a white revolutionary. So that's the look they're getting, I guess, you know. That's not great, okay? And it seems like so often the discourse gets completely dominated from these axes. Like, for example, the fact that a lot of people think socialists support China. Like, I'm not... I haven't stopped being mad about that. Like, Let's I'm not... Again think socialists from these axes like for example the fact that a lot of people think socialists support china some of them do and i'm not gonna act like they're not socialists just because they have a different view i'm kind of ambivalent about china i i think they are certainly capitalists um i'm i'm critical of them in a lot of ways but i also think that the u.s or americans are critical of them in ways that um aren't equally distributed they aren't criticisms that go to other countries that have similar problems there's a lot of fixation on china and to act like i mean the left has a lot of just varying opinions on china and um i think the vast majority of your average left-wing person in the u.s does not think highly of china but, um, you know, might be less critical than just the most, like, bloodthirsty neocons who are like, we should go to war with China now. Um, so, I mean, this is another kind of stupid point, in my opinion. Like, I'm not... I haven't stopped being mad about that. 
I'm still angry that your average person associates China with socialism. And why does that happen? Because there are two groups that associate China with socialism, okay? The, U the U.S. State Department and tankies. That's it. Those are the two groups that do it. It's the U.S. State Department and tankies. And China. I mean, China claims they are socialists. It is their state policy. Also, I mean... I've never talked about this on the show because I usually don't go into this level of, like, crap discourse, but, like, I hate the phrase tanky so much. Like, I mean, I've joked about it on Twitter before. Like, in 2015, tanky meant that you supported the USSR invading Czechoslovakia. In 2016, it meant that you supported Bernie Sanders. And then by the time you get to, like, 2020, it means you, like, su supported Elizabeth Warren or something. It really just means nothing. It really does. In agreement, together, hand in hand, to treat China like a socialist, which makes the rest of us look like absolute dog shit. Absolute fucking dog shit. And you know what? I don't even care about the State Department doing it, okay? They're... Of course you don't. <laughs> He'd rather attack other leftists than the U.S. State Department. Also, that's besides the fact that, like, every conservative in America uh, f says China is communist. Um, like, over half of Americans, most Americans who aren't, like, anti-China leftists consider China socialists. Pretty much everyone in China, except, like, the ultra-left, the, like, actual Marxist left in China, considers China socialist. I'm not saying I do, I'm just saying, like, he has a very limited perspective on this. They're evil, and they know why they're doing it, and they're, they're girl boss gatekeep gaslighting, okay? They're living their best life, alright? I don't even care. They're doing what's in their material interest. But tankies? Why? 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 I don't think they're all being paid by the CIA. Jesus, Sonia. Thank you so much for the very kind 20 gifted tier 1 subs. Jesus. And you know what? A final... A final point. Are you guys ready for it? My final black pill. It's you. There are over a third of a million people in my audience, and I can't control everything that you think. And I know for a fact that a lot of you are being moved to the right because of Professor Flowers and all that associated bullshit. Who the f who the fuck is Professor Flowers? Oh my! Oh my! Oh my! Oh my! Oh my! Who the hell is this? Someone who like debated Vouch. So for anyone who hasn't been following the drama between Vosh and I, my last two videos provide context and I'll link them below. But long story short- I'm not gonna get into this, good god. I don't have time for this YouTube shit. Okay. I know that for a fucking fact. I know that when I have these conversations or debates, you see this and you think, wow, maybe the left really is that bad. I know, yeah, you all can purity test as much as you want, Mathematically speaking, it is almost a guarantee that across my fan base, yeah, there are people who are a little like that. In fact, all I have to do is go to the comment section underneath that debate and find people who are being blackpilled on the left live. 
What does and Professor Flowers say? I should cover this stuff. I think that's irresponsible. If covering Maybe stuff explained. like this, if the truth means people get moved over to the right, I don't think that's an argument for me ignoring the problem. I don't think that means I should blind myself to it. I think that means we should, as leftists, work to make the left better than it is now. But yeah, if you take a look through... I really need to know what she believes that's supposedly so right-wing. Um, let me read her tweet. Okay, I'm gonna play some of her video. So for anyone who has been following um, the drama between... So for anyone who has... On her debate with Vosh, um, let's been see. following the drama between Vosh and I. My last two videos and behavior makes leftist spaces hostile to other black leftists who simply disagree with him. And I recently ended up debating with him. This video will be my thoughts on that. And I know that this might seem silly. I already have two videos on Vosh and it seemed like plenty of other people made my points clear for me. But I think what happened was really wild and I wanted to voice some of my thoughts on it in order to wrap Is it up Is she like myself. a black separatist? So who haven't seen the debate, I'll link it in the description below. But let's go over a short summary. Vosh and I start off talking about my video where I say it's an issue that black people who disagree with Vosh are often compared to Nazis and how that makes a hostile place for any- yeah, that that seems like a legit criticism if he's always calling um, black separatists Nazis. I mean, because they are profoundly different ideologies. And I say this as someone who opposes separatism because I think the uh, socialist project needs to be as international as possible. That's my take. But to to label black separatists as Nazis, it's that is a bit too rhetorical and in a polemic and and kind of toxic way to be honest black person that has a misfortune of disagreeing with him i start by talking about how black people simply wanting their own spaces away from white people is not the same as segregationists bosch stands by his claim that they might as well be and then we start talking about separatists along with colonialism for about an hour bosch asks me if i think genocide is okay in the name of anti-colonialism and compares the removal of colonizers to the holocaust he also makes the claim that i'm essentializing the white race with colonizers i'm gonna try this one more time do you think crime in america is a black problem Maybe you should try something else. After this, my audio goes out for some reason, and then I rejoin the stream. When this happens, there's a shift, and the tone seems to calm down. I talk about how listening, rather than reacting, is important, as many of us know very little. Whenever you make your ethno city, whatever in America, just don't make any sound. I, I like, me, okay? literally don't want to. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm just making points about, like, being able to listen to people, to listen to people who are colonized, people who, people who are oppressed, like give them space to talk about their pain instead of just, you know, comparing them to Hitler. And Vosh insists that he's being reasonable in comparing me to white nationalists and my thoughts to genocide. One of the reasons why I make these comparisons is because I don't think a lot of people realize how close everything we do and talk about is to fascism. This is the debate in a nutshell, but of course, if you have the stamina, check out the whole debate in the link below to see it in detail. So now let's talk about the debate. This debate was three and a half hours long. There's too much to go over and I'm not going to get everything that I found wrong. Some key issues I addressed in the debate but won't go over here are Vosh saying that we don't decentralize crime to black people, therefore we shouldn't essentialize colonialism to white people. I am all for attacking the system of colonialism. I am against essentializing it as a product of a given racial group, product of a given racial group, product of a given racial group, product of a given racial group. There's multiple points where he calls me a reverse racist. I think you're racist, not stupid. And I mean, I I guess I kind of agree. I have mixed feelings because you can essentialize um, uh, a racial group like by saying that white people colonize that that is not essentializing. That is a, a fact. You could make 
a sort of historical materialist argument that whatever um, region was able to um, reach that stage of capitalism would have become uh, colonizers because the the uh, kind of engine behind colonization is this idea that like we need to um, extract resources and we're running out of resources in our native land. We have to go out, find more resources, and then bring them back to the Imperial core. And I think that could have been true of um, many societies. Like, if you imagine, like, you know, um, another part of the world reaching that level of capitalism first. Would they have expanded? Another um, and the answer is maybe yes probably yes another factor and this is very like guns germs and steel is um that europe was just geographic or it is geographically kind of small with a lot of really kind of small countries relatively speaking and i think that and um another element of that is a lot of them are seafaring cultures it's not a coincidence that germany really focused on kind of internal centralized economic planning and kind of bolstering a local capitalist economy a lot more than say france or the netherlands or the uk did because they just didn't have the same navy capabilities and um i think that's a big part of it is just kind of like historical happenstance if you know native americans uh developed capitalism before europeans did somehow i mean they have a lot more land to expand into um and a lot more unused land um per capita than europe did so maybe they wouldn't have needed to um do this sort of like expansionist colonizing and there were a lot of bizarre slippery slope fallacies. One is where Vosh tried to get me to say that we should find the single most oppressed person on Earth and ask them if they want to nuke the world. It seems like the most ethical way to handle all of this is to find the single most oppressed person on Earth, like a disabled trans woman somewhere in Bangladesh, and ask them if they want to nuke the rest of the planet. I just don't know how to reply besides saying- Yeah, that's just- This is a really strange slippery slope fallacy. Like, I'm saying that colonized people uh, should have the autonomy to decolonize themselves. And you're saying that they should find the most oppressed person in the world and ask them if we should nuke someone. Like, do you see how that's not the same thing? This is pretty much the debate in a nutshell. Should colonized people be allowed to fight colonialism if they're genocidal? Well, of course, genocide's wrong, but my point is that colonized people have the right to their own self-determination. So with this logic, you're saying that whoever's the most oppressed person in the world should be able to nuke everyone. No. As I said, there's too much to cover in this video. Though I address these points within the debate, there's much more to expand on, and I want to ask people to make their own content addressing any issues I leave out, or topics they find- That's what I'm doing! With that said, there are some key points that I really want to focus on in this video. The first topic that I want to discuss- Content! ...is how okay. homophobia in black people was understood. In the debate, Vosh says- Black people are more homophobic than white people by a pretty significant amount. So when Vosh said this, I should have questioned this. Black people certainly do have an issue with homophobia. I'm just not sure that it's more than white people. I can't seem to find a study or survey that goes over this. And despite what the influx of pro-LGBT ads might have you think, you might be surprised to find that American society is pretty homophobic. 
I see homophobia rampant wherever I go. And I'm not sure how to quantify if black people are more homophobic than white people. And I'm worried about erasing all the queer black people there are and the many black people I've met who are against homophobia. But I also want to point out that the homophobia that black Americans emulate comes directly from colonialism. There were many enslaved people who had no issues with homosexuality until slavery, where many of them were indoctrinated into Christian values. I mean, I'm I'm done with this video. I got what I needed out of it. I kind of got her perspective now, so I'm going to switch back to the vouch video, but um I mean, that's true. Like there is a sort of lagging effect between colonized people's values um that they got from their colonizer and uh colonizing people's values um like or the colonizers values as they change i'll give a good example i knew a um a uh girl or well she was a woman when i was in college who was from alaska and she was white and her parents were atheists and she said that um she you know primarily went to school with a lot of indigenous alaskans and a lot of them were very religious and they would uh, occasionally do religious things in school and at first she when she was younger she'd push back against this because she was raised atheist but then she kind of got the perspective that like um, indigenous Alaskans are Christian um, because of colonization and by, um, you know, I'll use the word again, vociferously trying to impose atheism on them. It's kind of like the same thing, but just updated. And, and so there's a little bit of a weirdness to it and i think that's kind of the same thing with homophobia i think that is something that was imposed on c colonized people and they retain the values that were um imposed on them uh a little longer than whatever new values that the dominant class comes up with um let's watch the end of this fash video and then i will wrap up the comment section it is not particularly difficult to find examples of people who are very clearly getting at the very least disillusioned with the left and i'm very disillusioned with the left i am exceptionally disillusioned with the left but it no doesn't kidding move me to the right it just makes me think does it not increasing i mean i know this guy's pretty right wing when it comes to like u.s foreign policy he I'll say, like, I wouldn't be surprised if in 20 or 30 years, <laughs> this is a bleak, bleak vision of the future, but, like, neocons will be called the Voshites or something. ...delusional vigor that I am somehow the only person pushing an actionable, effective version of the left. I know that can't actually be true. There's no way that's true. That cannot possibly be the case, but... It is very frustrating that anytime stuff like this happens, people only speak up in favor of the people with bad opinions and they don't speak up in favor of me because I'm me. Oh my god, what a little bitch. So this isn't even about the left or right. He's just mad because he came off like a total dick during a debate. People were like, weren't being like, oh, you're so smart and good. Good for you, Vouch. Um, he's like all pissy that like people were like, you're kind of a dick. You understand this frustration, right? It's not about sinking into egotism. I try to channel it into this idea that, like, maybe I'm not the...
He know he knows he's being an egoistic asshole with this. Best, but I think I've got good arguments and I'll push him forward as best as I can. But then people get mad at me for doing that because they think I overemphasize the existence of problems they don't want to talk about. Which, and I'm not blaming Carr for that, by the way. I do think it's important to frame this in context. Your average conservative would see these debates and think, oh my god, the left is as dangerous as Nazis. Or more dangerous, probably. Um, so I'm, th th it is important to contextualize all this information. It's just, um, yeah. Are there any in-person lefty spaces you can go to that may legit help a lot? Oh, don't worry about it. If you go, guys, if you ever want to feel better about the left, go outside. In real life, activist spaces are so much better than anything you'll find online. That's true, but that's why it's like such a, like, what the hell's going on when he is clearly clearly openly blatantly um talking purely about online shit like he only knows online in real life they actually care about actionable goals they're more personable because they're not hiding behind anonymity and they're not all edgy teenagers trying to prove how much they don't agree with their parents on 9-11 okay it's so much better in person but a lot of radicalization does take place online, and that's obviously where my content is, so I feel like this is where I should be focusing my efforts. The thing the thing that would really make me happy, the thing that would really get me, Let's you hear know, it. Would be if I could ever see the normal left take my side on issues like this. Specifically ones where I disagree with a member of a minority group. That would make me feel... Does he think people think... I feel like people were like, you're kind of a dick. Like, why are you an asshole? And he's like, why do they never take my side? I'm always right. They're always wrong. Blah, blah, blah. Like, uh, I, I'm almost regretting watching this video because it's clear by the end that it's all just like an egotistic circle jerk where he's like, oh, why is no one telling me I'm right? I feel like maybe it's more actually ideological and not so much like, you know, unwillingness to, 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 to directly regard something. It always feels like the subtle, eh. I mean, I'm a small content creator and I agree with you. And I love you, Riverboat Jack. And I love you. The problem is, and this is probably the worst part of it in terms of optics, the worst part of it in terms of optics is that the more the left denounces me for my takes on this, the more the many, the overwhelming majority of people from minority communities believe the hype and assume that I'm some kind of Western chauvinist, anti-black, etc., 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 you know? So even though my positions are completely salient and they would probably agree with them, then other people don't want to associate with me because they think that it's tainted by some sort of general... All right, so this guy's entire politics revolves around, like, YouTuber drama that he projects onto the political sphere. That is the impression I'm getting. It is... He's just kind of a whiny baby, honestly. Like, this is just straight-up whining and acting like it's a, a political statement. And, um... I mean, I guess with that, I've been streaming for about an hour and a half. Don't have anything more to say about this episode. Um, my name is Christian. This has been The Society Show. 
Uh, this will come out as a podcast Thursday. I will edit it down, add some more, make it sound a little more pristine. Um, but in the meantime, you can follow me on Twitter at Christian Iz Cool. Christian is cool. Is spelled I Z. You can follow the show on Twitter at Society underscore Show. And if you want to learn more about the podcast, learn about how to contact me, anything like that, um, go to societyshow.net. And with that, thank you for listening to The Society Show.